Ball peens and rivets. Grip it firmly by the base. Frame up for a devastating strike. And that's a nail, that's a nail, that's a nail. Everything I see is a nail. <laughs> because it's time to pound the hell out of Tull with me. <laughs> Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moes. And this, my sweet, sweet hardware aisle, is Talk Tall to Me. Eight solid pounds of iron hanging in the Prog Rock Workshop, in which Nickel Cadmium Nick and 16 ounce Omen will take a swing at every single duplex-headed track that railroad spike rock band Jethro Tull have ever driven through the hardware of our brains. We will swing the Scott Hammond splitting mall, call order with the David Goodyear gavel, and power up the Joe Paris James jackhammer. And if we swing straight and true, we may one day be worthy enough to wield the Scottish scrutch, the prancing planister, the dead blow dervish, the tack hammer tartan, Ian, bend me over and bash me on the head, Anderson. Have you ever used a jackhammer in your life? I thought you were going to ask if I've ever used a hammer in my life. The answer is no to both. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've used, I've used um, a number of, of uh, handheld hammers. I've never used a jackhammer. I assume you have. Oh, it's the worst. It is one of the worst tools out there. Because it just... It, just did... it is hundreds of pounds, so you have to wrestle with it, and it's also hitting up and down and insanely loud. That's hundreds of pounds more than me. Correct. You're 47 years old. Years old. Also 13 pounds. <laughs> I wish. Well, Nick. Elman. Here we are, um, and we're going to talk about some Jethro Tull today. Nick, what is the song about which we are talking Tull on this very fine summer's day, very close to the solstice? That we are. It is Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, everybody. Cheers to all of our black listeners. Lahayim. What are we talking about? Oh, yes. <laughs> Using context clues, I've determined that we are talking about if I had a hammer. No. <laughs> Old John Henry. No. Uh, oh, it's Hammer on Hammer. House of Hammers. House of Hammers. Is that a song? No, it's a place in Milan where you can get a lot of different types of hammers. We are talking about <laughs> Hammer on <laughs> Hammer. Nick, shall we have a listen? Say. That was Christ. Hammer on Hammer. Sure was. First impressions, what did you first think of when you heard that song? Well, that was one of the very first singles that came out. It was our second signal after... Our second signal. Do I, I always say signal, don't I? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not completely inappropriate. It's not like saying second avocado. It was our second single following Ganunga Gap. Second single that we heard... And what was your first thought when you heard it? Heavy. Liked it. They, uh, it was, they definitely released a lot of those singles that were like, we're returning back to our heavy rocking roots. Yes. Saved some of the lighter stuff for after the fact, which isn't a bad thing. It's, uh, it was, I think Vlad the Bad was like the first thing that really jumped out, given the context, yeah. obviously, or the present, the present times. But uh, yeah, rocking, solid, great guitar. Oh, um, I think those are the first real... Oh, and that falsetto. Hard to not pay attention to that falsetto. Yeah. The thing that jumped out to me was, and when we first heard it, we really first heard it in the context of the music video that dropped. Yeah. Which, which has got all of those amazing images. I, I love the style of the music videos for these tracks. They're, yeah. they're, they're kind of like... They're living in between hand-drawn animation, computer animation, kind of, uh, what's the thing where you cut out, you paste it, the Dadaists loved it, collage. 
Oh, that, yeah. It's got a collage quality a to it. Yep, 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 yep. And there were a lot, there's a lot of imagery of modern jets and tanks and right, Rus yeah. Russian military stuff. So there's, yeah. there's and we'll, we'll talk, unfortunately, a little bit later about <sighs> Putin. Putin on the Ritz. <laughs> when the borscht is very cold and you don't have food to feed your people. Bomb Ukraine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, if there was any, any confusion just listening to the song itself and the lyrics, the video, like, sealed it. And if there was any confusion with the video, Ian then released <laughs> yeah, right. his statement on the rock flute track outlines, which may I read? You always Please get to read it. Please do. Ian writes, Hammer on Hammer, Thor, son of Odin and defender of the fortress Asgard, the archetypal thunder god, wears powerful symbolic belt and wields a hammer, a loyal, honorable warrior, mortal enemy, nemesis, Jormungand. Jormungand is the sea serpent. They kill each other during Ragnarok at the end of days, Armageddon of the Norse beliefs. Lyric reference! White Nights, St. Petersburg Music Festival. In 1992, Ian Anderson and Martin Barr appeared. Ian met the then mayor, Anatoly Sobchak, yeah, close. and his not-too-trustworthy lieutenant, one Vladimir Vladimirich. Vladimirovich. Vladimirovich Putin. Do you know what that is, the Vladimirovich? Um, little, little bitch Vladimir. Close. It's the patronym. It's son of Vlad. Oh, 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 oh. Vlad, Vladimir, son of Vladimir. Yeah. No, 1993. So the, just real quick, the White Knights Festival, the White Knights St. Petersburg Music Festival, it's an annual summer festival in St. Petersburg. Surprise. Celebrating its near-midnight sun phenomena due to its location near the Arctic Circle. Each year between around April 22nd and August 21st, the skies only reach twilight and never reach complete darkness. Wow. Organized by the St. Petersburg City Administration, the festival begins on June 11th with the Stars of the White Nights at Marinsky Theater and ends on July 1st. So nearly a month. That's actually really interesting. There's a summer festival in Paris called Nuit Blanche, which is White Night. Oh. Or White Nights. It's a music festival as well. And so they do a lot of, there's a lot of like music in the streets and everything. I wonder if that was actually inspired by the St. Petersburg, Petersburg Festival. Is it the same time, same time frame? It's in the spring or summer. Yeah. So, hmm. could, yeah. Well, yeah, April, between April and August, that's quite a, I think it's, I think it's in late spring. Okay. Pretty close. That's really cool. A final note, no White Nights Festival has been held since 2020. Ooh. What a, what a mm. interesting date there. Mm. Um, Rook turned three. That's why. In 2020. Yeah. And we're like, we're done. We can't. We got more important things to focus on. That's it. That'd be it. Let's talk about the music. Yes. Let us talk about the fifth track off of the album, Hammer on Hammer. It is in music. Four, four time. It is... I don't know why that surprises me. It was me. intended to be... Is that sarcasm that it surprises you? No, I, I'm, I'm always looking for... I'm always prepping myself when I listen to, Jeth to Jethro Tull with a critical ear for it to be in some kind of compound time signature. And so it always surprises me a little bit when it's in a straight four. Are we not more likely... I mean, I know it's not like hard and fast rule, but aren't we more likely to see it on a radio single? Theoretically. Maybe. I guess so. And I, I guess I didn't think of this as a radio single in that respect. That's not something that I thought about. But yeah, I suppose did, it's did, possible. Did they try for radio singles? Maybe. I have no idea. Oh, I know that they did for... Was it Ganunga Gap? Or Navigators? One of them has the radio edit versus the regular version. Oh, so one of them... I mean, they tended at least one or two of them to be on the radio, technically. I don't know who would have played it, but... I find it interesting how we have the flute at the very beginning. And then it drops pretty much out until the break.
that role really is taken over by Joe Parrish James, who I am obsessed with in this song. He's serving us Santana, like mm. like '90s Santana vibes. I get it. But what are we to get it right now? Stage must be set for mortal battle. Santana, if he pulled himself, if he reined in a little bit. If Santana had the flu and like <laughs> and he had to work through a, could uh, barely yeah. get out of bed, yep. Yep, yep, yep. that's what he would have sounded okay. like. Okay. Yeah. No, I love it. I think I think it sounds fabulous. Yeah, he's so good. He's so very good. He comes in really strong, really clear, really bold, really confident. It's mm -hmm. it's delightful. Yeah, this is I think it was last episode we were talking at least I was talking about how like he's been really fairly subdued this album every now and then he'll he'll come forward but none of the tracks are really on the back audibly on the back of the guitar this one still not audibly on the back but we hear him more we hear more stings we hear more crunchy personality from him as opposed to like oh there he is oh no he's gone oh wait, oh yeah, yeah. I think that might have been a guitar. I don't know. I think it's a difficult line to walk to be the guitarist for Jethro Tull because oh, sure. you have to be guitarists. There's a lot of personality jokes that come along with musicians, right? <laughs> sure. And they're all based in facts and trends. <laughs> you know, like stereotyping. Yeah, you know the joke um, what does a violinist use for contraception? Their, Their personality. Oh. <laughs> you know, trumpet players are typically very like full of themselves. Drummers are dumb. Drummers are idiots. Bassists uh, are quiet, is that really the? Bassists are, are, kinda, are, are quiet, yeah. right. You know, there's, there's all these stereotypes. Guitarists, electric guitarists have a reputation for being really like full of themselves and all they want to do is just shred on the guitars. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. in order to be a guitarist, a rock guitarist, but also a musician, in the sense of like being part of an ensemble. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Is a rarer thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, the bass, let's talk about the bass. Let us talk about the bass. Is there bass in this song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Confirmed that there is bass, and what the bass is doing is very interesting because it feels to me like for a lot of it, the bass is playing harmony. Mm, Instead okay, of yeah. for some places it's going d d beep 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 whatever the the, the melody is. Stage must be set for but it sometimes it's going beep 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 beep. It's doing a third underneath. You know, obviously down the octave, but yeah. It's interesting how it's kind of not where I would quite expect it. Hmm. And it's just an interesting choice that yeah. I observed and liked. Musically, this song's very solid. I mean, good drums, good guitar. Synth, oh, there's really great synth Beautiful in synth. synth, beautiful, beautiful synth. Uh, very, very kind of flows along on, on, underneath on the background, except for there are times when the guitar will do a call and response with the synth. Yes. With those like bright stings, very fun. Yeah, we have the riff that I think Joe Parrish James starts, which is the, but we don't want a weenie, weenie, weenie. Yeah. And we have the synth picking that up and yeah. it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. it, it's very fun. It's very, very fun. And in this song, Joe Parrish James does more shredding than we've heard from a, a Jethro Tull guitarist in a very long time. Yep. And by, by shredding, I mean that kind of like letting loose, like, oh, I'm just like feeling my guitar. Just a, a quick, sharp phrase that doesn't feel like it's written down in the, in the notes. Exactly. Yeah. It, feels, it feels like he lets loose, he improvises for a minute, and he... He gets into the danger zone of like, oh my god, freaking guitarist, yeah. and then and then right there he pulls it back into the into the composition. It's yeah. great. It's Rain. so great. Reins himself in. Yeah, that's that's very that's very Martin. Really, I mean, that's he, something that Martin was very is very good at. Yeah, is is walking that line. Yeah, and letting loose when he wants, and being really strict and really conscientious. Yes, aware of the greater piece. Yeah. Yeah. 
you remember when we, when we, I think it was the very first Jethro Tull concert that we saw, we saw, I don't remember who the opener was, but it was some old as dirt rock band who was not very well known. And the lead singer or the lead of it was, you know, this white haired dude who looked like a, a cowboy. It was Eddie Money. Eddie Money, it yes. Was Eddie Money, yep. Okay. In, in Odessa, New York in 19, no. 2001, 2001, probably. yeah. Jesus, I remember. It's, I have the. Oh, Nick's going into the museum. Yep, Jethro Tull. No, it's Edgar Winter. Sorry, not Edgar Eddie Winter. Money. Yeah. Edgar Winter, right, okay. 2003, 8 15, 2003. We'd already graduated high school. Okay, so Edgar Winter. Well, and I remember we made the joke that he looked like Old Man Winter. Yes, I mean, that's he's very aptly named. He and his brother are, are albinos, I believe. Albino, inflicted with albinism. I'm not sure what the term is now. Um, <laughs> I don't think inflicted is definitely the term. <laughs> <laughs> but he had he had recently hired, or it seemed, my interpretation was that he had recently hired a young hotshot guitarist. Mm. And I remember being so annoyed because they were doing the song, and then they'd be like, "Play it, Jimmy," and Jimmy, who looked like he was 17, yeah. and like. Step forward, and he was just like, <laughs> for like six minutes straight. And yeah. I was like, is he gonna do anything else? I think like, I fell asleep. That's why I don't remember. It was that. just, it was so shreddy. It was like, look how fast I can play. Oh my God. Some people eat that stuff up on a cracker. They love yeah. that kind of stuff. You know who? Other guitarists. <laughs> people uh, who yeah. wish that they were guitarists. Yeah. Valid, it's like, valid. I get the impression of like when a young man is making love. To his lover, frantically, frantically, it's like, yeah, like, I can do it, I'm I can really do it, doing it so much. And their partner's like, yes, sweetie, oh my you god, are. wow, you're Great. so good at this. I'm gonna go to the bathroom for five minutes. Oh. <laughs> uh, making a milkshake is that what that noise was? That's what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 yeah. it feels very it feels very self fulfilling. Yes, so that's that's it. It's self fulfilling, and that's what I don't like about a lot of electric guitars. Self fulfilling. Self. Flagellating? <laughs> self, it's self, it's very selfies. Self. Involved. Self-fulfilling. It's fulfilling yourself rather than the, the music, mm, rather than the I song. I don't think that's what self-fulfilling means. Like self-fulfilling prophecy? That's what it means in that context. Words <laughs> in different contexts. No. Fun fact. Nope. Can mean different things, especially nope. in English. Anyway, Joe Paris James is a very giving, sensitive, in tune. A gentle lover. Yeah. He's like, let's breathe at the same time. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Joe, taking it to new heights. I haven't felt this since Martin in 2003. Yeah. We don't talk about Martin. That's really all I have to say about the music. I love it. I, I think it's great. It's a good one. It's driving, but it's a fairly slow tempo, but it, mm -hmm. it really kicks you along. Yeah, I do like it a lot. Generally, I'm not a fan of hard music to begin with, but... Yeah, this I noticed by looking through your, your record collection. Yeah, let's see, the hardest thing in there... That's not tall. You've got a basket oh, for not tall, tall, and yeah. you've got a basket for non-tall. The Decemberists, Mike Oldfield, Kishibashi, the infamous String Dusters. Probably the hardest... Murder by Death. Murder by Death is pretty hard. I don't times. know, I think the infamous String Dusters are a little harder. <laughs> no, not Murder by Death is... They're pretty solid. I think the hardest thing that I have in my record collection is the erection I have when I listen to Beethoven. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> I, I have a I have a Mozart's Requiem. That's there pretty hard. That, that's pretty hard. That I have, slaps. Got some Mahler. No one is harder than Mahler. Halfway, here we are. Hey everybody. Folks, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have a jump start. that came in in the middle of recording the last episode. So I will jump right into our jumpstart. From Jimmy James. Jimmy James writes back in. JJ. Message, hi Omen and Nick. Although I haven't annoyed you recently, I'm still here tuning in every week and loving your analysis and banter. Zealot and Rock Flute still haven't quite done it for me, but that's not your fault. <laughs> Two new, all original works is a phenomenal achievement by any measure, let alone by someone old enough to have seen these Old Testament stories firsthand. 
It was the Betrayal of Joshua Kind episode that urged me to get on the keyboard. You referenced People Would Have You Done locked him in his golden cage right. from my god. It was 1971. Omen and Nick weren't even a twinkle in an eye when in a caravan on the south coast of New South Wales, down under, my friend's big brother pulled his latest vinyl from its plastic sleeve and said, listen to this, it will blow you away. The friend's older brother. There's gotta be in mythology, the archetype of the friend's older brother, like the older brother, the vinyl bringer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's always, listen to this, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. Hey always. kid, you wanna listen to some Jethro Tull? Just a, a very big trench coat with vinyls in it. <laughs> crackle, spit, crackle through two tinny speakers and side two of Aqualung began, an ominous acoustic guitar run, then a slightly discordant riff, and I was hooked. Then people would have you done locked him in his golden cage. This was on another level to Deep Purple in Rock, Black Sabbath's Paranoid and Grand Funk Railroad. This was a revelation, excuse the pun. We played Aqualung till the grooves bled all over that sunny beach holiday and Tull became my obsession. Aqualung remains number one in my tall all-time list. Yeah. Every time I hear that first minute of side two, I'm back in that van with sand in my board shorts and sea salt going crusty in my ridiculous head of hair. In 1977, I finally got to see Tall in Sydney at the Hordern Pavilion on their Songs from the Wood tour. I've seen hundreds of concerts since, including every Tall tour down here, and it still ranks the best live show of my life. Wow. Yeah, 1977 would be a hell of a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1977, Ian was the master, completely on top of his game, energetic and completely original. Over that period, I was getting a teacher's wage for the first time in my life, and remember vividly when each new title appeared in the local record store. Songs from the Wood, then Heavy Horses, then Stormwatch, the Pope wow. Trinity, another high point in their stellar career. Imagine buying those records new. Oh. It is a thrill to see young bucks like you guys sharing my obsession in doing what you do. I love it. How anyone can fail to recognize the genius of Tull is beyond me. Their loss, I say. Thanks again for your weekly dose of Tull. I'm looking forward to Roots to Branches, mm. the highlight of their latter years, in my humble opinion. Onward, Nick and Omen, Jimmy James. Jimmy James, thank you so much for sharing you. your jumpstart with us. Wow, what a picture you painted in the, in the surfing van on the south coast of Australia. And it's funny, you know, people, I sometimes think of, you know, like, Oh, vinyl isn't a convenient. Uh, I was literally form just thinking that because it's so big and whatever. You can listen to it in a van on the beach. It's got to be a van though, obviously, and you can't be driving. But I mean, you could though. I mean, you could have it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a van in 1971 would not have a smooth enough ride. A van now would not have a smooth enough ride. Yeah, but amazing. You know, it must have been one of those uh, suitcase. Uh, yeah. Turntables. Yeah, Victrola was that the suitcase ones? I don't know. I don't. I think different companies made them, but that's what I, that's what I listened to this uh, last summer when I was in Santa Fe. Mm. I had a little plug-in uh, suitcase. I think it may have been a Victrola. Yeah. You know that was real. You know from the '90s probably, and I found yeah. it. I found it in their closet, and that's I acquired way too much vinyl that summer. But yeah, that's awesome. What a what a cool jump start, and thank you so much for taking us there with you, and thank you for staying with us as we work through this amazing catalog. Yeah, I, the, the one thing that stuck out for me is the use of the, the phrase, a teacher's wage, uh -huh. which <laughs> you make it sound like it's a livable wage, which... In 1977, maybe, it probably was in, in Australia. In, yeah, I'm, I'm curious well, to know how it translates to present-day United States. In 1977, in America, it was probably a living wage. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. The it thing was is, that wage has stayed the same, and inflation and the cost of living has gone up. Yeah. So a teacher's wage here in the States now is, you know, practically a starbation wage. Ooh, anyway, thank you, Jimmy thank James. Thank you, Jimmy James. Greatly appreciated. Thank you for writing in. Anyone else, please, we, we beseech you, give us those jump starts. We greatly appreciate those stories. Very fascinating. Love to hear it. Was it your dad's vinyl collection? Was it your big brother? Was it your big brother's best friend? Was it your lesbian younger sister's vinyl collection? Any gender and, and relation could be it. Did you see a bright orange cassette of War Child and say, what is that? And put it on. And then your face was melted. Did a 
beautiful but aloof pianist burn a track of Tall onto a I Like You Just As A Friend CD mix. Could have been anyone. <laughs> really broad strokes on that one, Omen. That was how I got introduced. To I know, that's what I'm oh. saying. <laughs> <sighs> Here we are, the other side of Halfway Omen Sade. Let's... Halfway Omen Sade. <laughs> oh, it's a good old Omen Halfway Sade. We are talking about Hammer and Hammer. It is about Thor, as Ian has said. Thor is the thunder god, the, the lightning god. In Norse mythology, he wields Mjolnir, the hammer. Yes. He wears the belt that doubles his strength. I've actually just started reading the... <laughs> Say, I've actually just started wearing a belt to see if it would double my strength. <laughs> Hasn't um, worked yet. That's so far, no, but... That's why I went to the suspenders. Um, <laughs> I started reading the Neil Gaiman Norse mythology, and he, he points out that Thor, despite what Marvel has shown us, Thor is the nephew of Loki, not the brother. He is red-haired, and he's dumb as a stump. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, great that he has representation in the Marvel universe, even if it's not... You know, I've, I've sort of changed my stance. I've, I used to think like, oh my God, how dare you not accurately with 100% accuracy represent something. But that's what happens with mythology. Yeah. That's why Freya has 16 different names because yeah. they adapted her through oral tradition. Mm -hmm. Thor is derived, I'm totally just reading off of your notes, from a word that means thunder. Mm -hmm. Also, interesting that the note about the belt. I wonder if Thor is if that notion of the belt comes from the observation of the constellation that we call Orion, hmm. where that belt is so prominent. And also Hercules had a belt too, I believe. I don't think it gave him strength, but like he... he... It kept his pants up. Oh no, he got it from the Amazons, and it was a belt of strength, I believe. And in Roman mythology, that constellation is, is Hercules. Hmm. So I think that I think that it is just a constellation that people say belt guy. Hey, look, it's belt guy. Some more references from what Ian was talking about in description. Son of Odin is the and defender of the fortress of Asgard. Asgard is the dwelling place of the gods, comparable the, to Mount Olympus. Of the Asir gods. Yep. Oh yeah, the, the the violent ones, the fighters. Yeah. The and in a warrior society, that would have been. You know, that would have been the ones you wanted yeah. on your side. You've got Thor there. You've got Balder, all the fighty ones. Asgard could be reached by the Bifrost yep. from Earth, oh. the Rainbow Bridge. Jormungand, Thor's absolute baddie, is the Midgard Serpent. He dwells in the world sea, not the world tree. And I believe in Ragnarok, the kind of sequence of events is that Jormungand bites Thor and gives him a deadly dose of, of world serpent venom. Mm. And as Thor is dying, he strikes the death blow to Jormungand. That sounds dramatically accurate. Much like the end of Hamlet. <laughs> Not a joke at all, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Jormungand is also the middle child of Loki and Angboa. Bua, Boda, who had Jormungand, Fenrir, who we'll talk about next week, and the goddess Hel, who is the head goddess of the underworld. Hel, yeah, the, the underworld named after her. From which we, in English, get Hel, the concept of Hel, yeah. or the word for Hel. Yeah. Although the right. concept is, is a very different situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Nick, I am so interested by, because the white section is the directly from the poetry text. Well, not directly, but, but like Ian, it's, Ian's, it's his Ian's extrapolation. Right. Yeah. I'm very curious about these references to Jupiter and Saturn. The fact that Ian is, in his interpretation of the Norse text, referencing two Roman gods. Jupiter, of right. course, being... Jupiter is Jove, so that would be in Greek. That, Zeus. That would be Zeus. Who is the lightning god, technically, but Zeus and Odin also have a lot of similarity, too. Right, and then Saturn is... The god of war, I think? Also fits actually fairly well. 
Time, generation, dissolution, abundance. Oh, he, so Jupiter is the child of Saturn. Greek equivalent, Kronos. That's what I was, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. So in that case, Saturn would be more in the position of things, the Odin equivalent. Yes. And Jupiter would be more the Thor equivalent, even though the roles don't really match up exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there is but, a, but a there, bit there, of a wiggle room. But they're, they're archetypal. Yeah. But Saturn does have a belt. Yes, Jupiter does not. Yes, Saturn has a belt. So we're talking about belts. We're talking about these figures who are war, these figures who are about violence. Was there a time when I was Jupiter, ringed like Saturn? Was there a time when I was Jupiter, ringed like Saturn with sacred belt? So it is making the comparison to, to Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Thunder God. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anvil sweating under blows, hammer on hammer, cold steel to smelt. Anvil sweating under blows, hammer on hammer, cold steel to smelt. He's not a forge god. You know, he didn't make his own... Who forged hammer? I'm assuming it was the the Svartels. I think it was a dwarf named Sindri. There it is. While Sindri was creating Mjolnir, Loki, the trickster god, disguised himself as a fly and attempted to interfere with Sindri's work by buzzing around him. As a result, Mjolnir's hammer is unusually short. Huh? Isn't that funny? That's cute. He just was a bad man. He's a bit of a dick, yeah. 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 So Hammer on Hammer, I think, refers to the forging of Mjolnir. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting reference. Coiled Serpent, silently waiting, takes the bait I place beneath. Coiled Serpent, silently waiting, takes the bait I place beneath. Obviously a reference to Gagorgamander. <laughs> Jormungandr takes the bait I place beneath the darkened deeps so far from shore, right? Takes the bait I place beneath the darkened deeps so far from shore, right? There's a period there, but I mean, that's what he's talking about, beneath, right? The next line? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Line cut dagger to sheath. Line cut dagger to sheath. It almost feels like like Ian is is referencing Loki here. Is he like what is this whole deal with baiting the the world serpent? Well, I mean, it's got to be the reference to the fight with Thor and Jormungandr. One would imagine. or Jormungand rather. <laughs> well, because that's where we that's where we go with the next verse. Yeah. Stage must be set for mortal battle. Mortal battle meaning everybody dies. Deadly. Yep. Volva prophecy fulfilled. Stage must be set for mortal battle. The seers, the Volva who could the, see into the future. Yep, the Voluspo. The yep. Voluspo, who also, from whence we get a lot of this, these myths. These myths yeah. are sort of the retelling of the prophecies. Yeah. At Ragnarok, gory conclusion, drowning world to raise, rebuild. At Ragnarok, gory conclusion. Everybody dies at Ragnarok, the end of the world, Armageddon. And then in this belief system, it starts over. We start from scratch. So this is what's very interesting. Everyone shut up. Because now we switch from the white text, which is the historical yes. text, into the modern text. And this is where Ian talks about Vladimir Putin, which is very fascinating because Ian is making a comparison between Thor and Vladimir Putin. I think Vlad's Jormungand. That's fascinating. I want to follow this track that I started before you prove me wrong. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, because there's this, there's this line, Vlad the Bad seethes and schemes an empire past he must renew. Vlad the Bad seethes and schemes an empire past he must renew. So this is, this is where mm. I think that Ian is saying that Vladimir Putin sees himself as the defender oh, of Asgard, sure. of Russian Asgard. 
And that is so much of the so much of the propaganda, so much of the narrative that mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin is spinning. Yeah. It's the same thing that you saw with, I mean, it's an old, it's a worn out bit, but um, it's the same thing that we saw with Mussolini. It's the yeah. same thing that we see with Trump. Yeah. Oh, we must rebuild this glorious empire that we once had. Mussolini said, yeah. oh, we must rebuild Rome. We will regain the glory of Rome. Vladimir Putin is saying, we will regain the glory of the Russian empire. Trump is saying, we will make America great again. It's make, all the same stuff. Make Asgard great again, still MAGA. Wow, that's something. <laughs> I'd wear a Make Asgard Great Gun hat. No, that, that's, I don't know, there's something there. That's, that's quite funny. <laughs> Make Asgard Vanir again. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I think you're well on to something. And so there. I think he's getting into the psychology of like, oh my God, this freaking mortal thinks he's mother trucking Thor. Yeah. Which is insane. Right. Yeah. I mean certifiably Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump and Mussolini and Mussolini are crazy and or were insane. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure they got a stick up their ass. But, um, yeah. So an empire past he must remove tough man in waiting stares at me at white nights, 1992. This is, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is the most personal that we get, I think really in this entire album. In a very long time. And it's just that one image. And it's so specific too. We so never specific. get that specific. It's as close to a diss track as we are ever gonna get from Ian Anderson. Yes. And it's, it's great. I love that he's calling out this power-hungry idiot. Lunatic. Before he even came to power, you know, he's been, he's been yeah. there. He's yeah. been embedded like a tick since even before 1992. And that's where I think the Jormungandr See, that's, yeah. is, is appropriate because he's been lying in wait, building up his venom. And biting his own ass. he leads to Ragnarok. And he mm. Toy, 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 please no. And I love this image of like, because, and, and Vladimir Putin has always presented himself as, yeah, I'm the, I'm the tough guy, I'm the real man. I'm, Shirtless I'm on a, a bear or a horse or whatever. Sure, yeah. Is he ever on a bear or is that just an internet meme? I don't even remember. I'm sure the bears were excited about it. A hairy gay man. Yes, that, okay, okay gotcha. And so the fact that he is staring down this UK flautists who was <laughs> leaping about on the stage. Both of whom are probably about the same height. I know. <laughs> I know. It's interesting. It's it's sort of that it's sort of like the diametrically opposed human beings in that moment. Ian yeah. is Ian is also a tough guy. Yeah. In, in yeah, his yeah. own way. Mm -hmm. And he chooses to use his power to delight audiences and leap around with the flute. Mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin I mean, like, what was going through that man's head watching Ian? Was there a bit of jealousy? Was there disdain? I, I, I'm thinking probably disdain and disgust. Was there arousal? I don't know. Was there a fascination? What I, don't, was I don't think so. I can't imagine that the level of narcissism and insanity didn't kick in until after 1992. I don't know, I think it it's, may have been a slow build. It's got to be deeply embedded. I think the only reason it was slow is because it took him a while to get into power. I, my reading of that moment is that in the madness of that person, that there was an element of recognizing the power that the flute god was wielding and feeling like, ooh, Ugh, I have to be trapped. I have to wait for my moment. And wow, there's a man who's the same stature as me, got the same hair. Wielding flutenier. Wielding flutenier and people loving it. Yeah. I do think that all dictators, somewhere deep and down, there is a pathos that really they feel unloved or unlovable. And so to fill that void, they go for power. It's interesting. Mussolini was incredibly insecure as a person. So was Hitler, wasn't he? Incredibly insecure. Didn't he have mommy issues? Oh, big time. Yeah. Look at Trump. Massively insecure. Yes. Massively insecure. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's interesting. Overcompensating. Yeah. Something fierce. Sabres rattle, pipelines tremble. Sabres rattle, pipelines tremble. I mean, that's both very direct references to things that have been happening in the last six months to a year. Yeah, saber rattling is just a, a, a term for, like, threatening war, threatening violence. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Ooh, wasted opportunity to build a better motherland, a nobler place in history. Wasted opportunity to build a better motherland, a nobler place in history. Wow, so that's the whole thing. That's whole that's Putin's whole shtick. Right. Is I'm going to build back the motherland. Right, and we're going to restore us to our grandeur, so we're pulling back the places that we lost. Latvia, the Baltic region. Crimea. Crimea, Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. And there's a missed opportunity to actually build something really cool. You're in such power, why not use it? To develop something? Right. It's that mindset of violence is the answer, the more I, as Russia, possess, yep. the better Russia is. You know what? It's, it's a, not the people. It's a scarcity mindset. It's saying my automatic supposition, my worldview is that I don't have enough and there's not enough to go around. And so I have to try to claw mm. and scratch out just a little bit more for myself. I have to yeah. scratch a little bit of Ukraine to Russia because I don't have enough. Instead of saying, we are the biggest country in the entire world. We have all of this beautiful cultural tradition and value and have made all these contributions to science already, we could invest in that mm. and really create something that contributes to the world. No. That's what I would do. <laughs> if, I, all right. if I were flat, you're probably about the statue of Putin. Let's get you in there and see what, how that goes. <laughs> like maybe, maybe got a couple inches on me. <laughs> it is fascinating yeah. to see people's choices when they get in power and what's perceived as strength and what's perceived as weakness. Yeah. Right, depending upon the person, the affiliation, the country, obviously. We've gone, like, really into the... The political side, the modern the side. The Putin side, specifically, you know? Like, how can that, as deep as we got with Putin, can Jormungand or Thor be pulled that deeply? I think it's the idea of the violence, right? The warlike... Basically, the end option, the end result is going to be war. Yes, I think that for me, this is a very, this is a standout track on this album, and actually in in Tull in general, because in recent history for sure, because it is so. Ian gets very close to revealing his own position. Well, he he, he reveals his position, which is very unusual. Outside of the music, he has spoken up about Ukraine. He has spoken up about right. Putin. He said they will not do shows in, in Russia right. until things change. I mean, drop in the bucket, but, you know, I mean, everyone can do what they can do, so... And that is so unusual, because as Ian has described his, himself, he has a professional horse... Fence-sitter. Fence-sitter. Were you saying horse-sitter? Yeah. <laughs> he's a rodeo. He, he does the rodeo. He's a, he's a rodeo clown. Yeah. So th that's why I'm so focused on the modern part of this. Oh, it's super potent. Absolutely. I'm, I'm certainly not discounting its importance oh. and relevance. I think that what Ian is saying is, if you act like Thor, you're going to cause Ragnarok. Hmm. And you ain't Thor, honey. Yeah. Hit it with a big stick first and then see what happens. You know, that's not... That's... What is it? Talk, talk softly and carry a big stick? Was that talk tall to me and carry a big stick. <laughs> was that Roosevelt? That was Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... From every account I've heard, Putin is very soft-spoken as well. So he wields the big stick of nuclear war. Yeah. His Mjolnir warhead. He, he's also... Mjolnuclear. Nuclear. No, it's not. Nick, anything else we have to say on Hammer on Hammer? Just sonically, again, as per custom with this album... When we break from the poetic Eda to the modern, the sound shifts very drastically, very, very evidently. That's a very, very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Also, this is the first track off of this album thus far where the track does not end after those two verses of modern. He goes back and, and steps back into the chorus here. It is very anomalous. Yeah. I think maybe it's the idea that of all of the tracks we've heard thus far, this modern day portion 
fits so well into that past portion. It is almost so much so that it overtakes it. Exactly. It's the same. We're looking at the same thing as opposed to, well, this is kind of how I interpret it. Yeah. No, like this is happening. And I've got something to say and I've been mad about it for- and I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to sing Jethro Tull anymore. I've been mad about it for, for 30 years. Yeah. I wanted to mention that the name Thor is still a common name in Norway. Yeah. Uh, it's also Thursday. Thursday. Yes. My buddy Bendik, his father is named Ture. Ture. Ture, which so is So he's Tur. Bendik Turson? No. Do they not do the patronymic? No. But his, his last name is really cool. It means of the farm to the north where people used to live, but then the plague killed them, and so nobody lives there anymore. What is that? Smith? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What's it's, the... it's a Nordgard. Oh, Nordgard, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's all. That's how that translates? I think so. Bit of poetic license. Bit of a poetic eater. Ringed like Saturn with sacred belt. Oh, and what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are talking about Wolf Unchained. Arr I'm a she-wolf in oh. the closet. Let me out so I can breathe. <sighs> <laughs> no, seriously, let me out. It's, it's hard to breathe in here. <laughs> Until next week, if you are drowning in a world of old clothes and want to rebuild your wardrobe, why not head over to our Tee Public page where you can get branded Talk Tall to Me merch to wear until the end of days. Rattle your sabers on Apple Podcasts. Tell everybody about the wasted opportunity of not listening to Talk Tall to Me until they do. While you are sweating over your anvil, wouldn't it be great to have two extra podcasts a month to listen to? And the video portion. And you can get those things. You can see us side by side. You can right see now. what I'm doing to my hair oh, right now. Unspeakable. Hair unchained. <laughs> And you can get all that for either $5 a month or $15 a month on our Patreon. $15 will get you the video, $5 will get you everything else, and both of those will give you access to our Discord chat, which is really a whole world unto itself, a connection with Tull fans literally across the world. Literally. That's right. If you had been a patron up until this point and you lived in the New England area, you probably would be meeting up with us in under a week to see a Martin Barr concert in Connecticut. Until next week, my serpent is coiled. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am the gory conclusion, Nick McGill. The stage must be set for the feckless moms. And this is the Volvo prophecy fulfilled. Talk tall to me. Welcome to Midgard Hardware. How can I help you? What, what are you looking for today? Ah, uh, I'm here for a tool, a, a very powerful weapon. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, what's the project that you're working on? Tell me a little bit more about it. I'm going to smite my foes. I shall kill Jormungand. Okay, yeah, it sounds like you want the gardening department. Let's walk over here, so. Yeah. Yes, okay, um, it sounds like you've got an infestation. <laughs> oh, he's circling the realm. Yeah, that's how we all feel, don't we? Wow. Um, so we have, uh, we definitely have this seed that already has pesticide built into it. So you'll kill that big bad worm. It's uh, it's it's bigger than a, a worm. It's a worm with a, a, a Y W Y R M worm. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. It's a worm. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Need to come over to get the forklift for the uh, lumber department coming in. Wow, we're so short-staffed these days. You know what? I, I'm gonna let's let's actually bring you over to our, our tool department. Let's see. If I need something that will do violence. Yeah. Oh, damage. Boy. Yeah, we've got that. Let's see. This is our Milwaukee set. It's got a super fast charging. We call it our lightning battery. Does that? How does that sound to you? Mm. I like the sound of lightning. 
What more can you do with lightning? Oh, well, if you really, I don't know, uh, get the sense that maybe money isn't an issue for you. Maybe I could interest you in our 60 volt power tool set. Ooh. Yeah. How many attachments? So many. <laughs> I'm looking for something to smite very quickly and permanently. Yes, okay. So if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, smite quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, we can put this uh, reciprocating saw attachment on here. Mm. Watch this. Try that out. Oh, yeah. You don't have to put it in your mouth, but that's <laughs> fine. You can. I can see how that would do damage to a worm. Yes, yeah. Um, we also, uh, you can change it into a cirque saw. Ooh. <laughs> yes. I will cut it into pieces and eat him on the grill. Yeah. Um, you can you can actually use this battery to supercharge our Dewalt grilling system. You plug it in here. It pour it forces air through it. So you're telling me this Milwaukee battery works with the Dewalt system? In this in this fantasy I've created, it oh, sure does. Midgard is so exotic. You can actually get this. This baby hot enough to melt steel. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I want to forge my own weapons. Why, why not? Go crazy. And I have to show you this one last thing that it does. Ooh. Hook it up to the leaf blower. Take this other 60 volt, 60 volt battery, stick it in this turbocharged electric flamethrower. Put those together, put one in one hand. Yeah. One in one the other hand. Oh. And then power them both up. Ah! Oh! I'm gonna get very fired for this. I shouldn't have shown you that. <laughs> oh, the Midgard Serpent will be very fired. You see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> and all of this can be yours Ooh. for a mere $3,999. But because I don't work here, I can get <laughs> can get you. I can get you a 99% discount Ooh. if you give them the code. What is it? A special code. Tell me. I will give you the secret. Tell me. Tell it to me. The code is talk tall to me as a proud member of the Speckless Momes Audio Network 99. Hey, get out of the store. How many times have I told you? Get out. You don't work here. Zoinks. That's my exit. <laughs> <laughs>